Listening to the Common Fan Podcast, a Husker football podcast for the common fan by the common fan. Welcome back, fellow common fans, to the Common Fan Podcast. This is your periodic reminder that the Nebraska Cornhuskers are five and three, tied for first place in the Big Ten West, and playing Michigan State on Saturday with eyes on their first bowl appearance since 2016. It's a great day to be a Common Fan. Reminder to follow the podcast on your streaming platform of choice. Follow us on Twitter at, at CommonFanGBR. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, and you can direct any comments, questions, or smart remarks to CommonFanGBR at gmail.com. I am TJ Burgle. With me, as always, are Maddie Owens Sr. and Geoff in Lincoln. Boys, how are we doing today? We're doing great, TJ. Living the dream. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Love to hear that. We're recording <laughs> this on Halloween, so hopefully all of you uh, fellow Common fans out there have a safe and fun Halloween and, and everybody can get their hands on at least some of their kids' candy. Uh, we're joined today by National College football reporter Taylor McGregor. Taylor is a college football and XFL sideline reporter for ESPN, having joined the network in 2019. She also serves as a host for Marquee Sports Network in Chicago, where she is the lead reporter on Cubs games during the MLB season. Taylor, thanks so much for joining the Common Fans today. Well, thanks so much for having me. I don't know how long we should wait before telling all the people at home how TJ and I met, because it's a story. <laughs> It is. I mean, we got to jump in now. Okay, so let's just jump right in. I did the Minnesota-Nebraska game last fall around this time. I believe it was the first weekend in November, if I'm not mistaken. That's that's correct. Um, Good memory. And I, it was a noon game. And usually, as a reporter who spends a lot of time on the road, a noon game is fantastic because you can leave Saturday night to go back home. And I was uh, originally scheduled to do that. My flight was at six and I did the game, thought, perfect, you know, I'll get on a flight back to Chicago. Well, I have a lot of Cornhusker fans who are friends and they convinced love, me. Love to, to hear that. Love to hear that. <laughs> love to hear that. We're, we're everywhere. They convinced me to stay in Lincoln that night. And so nice. um, ended up, the game was over and I changed my flight to Sunday morning, stayed in Lincoln, had a fantastic time in Lincoln on Saturday night, which I'm sure we'll get to as well. And then Sunday morning, go to the airport, get on a flight. And I ended up having to actually connect to Denver to get back to Chicago. So the <laughs> flight that I met TJ on was, we were sitting on the tarmac waiting for our flight to take off from Lincoln to Denver. And there was some sort of issue. We all had to deplane. Yep. Um, but in the meantime, TJ and I started talking and keep in mind, it's early Sunday morning after a night out in Lincoln. <laughs> I think my hoodie was up. Like, I'm not trying to talk to anybody, but TJ's really nice. It's down. We start talking. <laughs> and then he he's a Cubs fan. So he, he finally realizes, wait a second. I think I've seen you on TV and I'm like, well, this is embarrassing because I look so awful right now on Sunday morning <laughs> trying to get home that you didn't even really recognize me at first. But uh, so we bonded. I ended up actually getting off the plane, having to drive to Omaha and then took another flight from Omaha to Chicago because our plane was wow. delayed. And, and uh, you got back, you live in Oregon, right? 
I live in Oregon. Yep. Yeah. I got back to Oregon. I'm sure, but it was quite the adventure day. We met on a plane where all good friendships start, right? Well, well, the conversation was so unbearable that you literally had to get off the plane and go to Omaha <laughs> to get out of there. Apparently. Um, no, what I, and it was so funny because we had had like a big, I, my, my, my dad's side of the family is a big extended. He, my dad was one of eight siblings. We had had this huge family tailgate the day before uh, for the Minnesota game. As you said, it was an early game. So my uncle and I literally got there. It was still dark out. I think it was before 6 a.m. So we, we got, you know, our, uh, our fan related activities were pretty aggressive on Saturday. So I got on the plane, you know, Taylor, like I, I think I had like a gigantic breakfast sandwich and and then I remember I was like reading all my Husker coverage, just not paying attention to anything. And then they started announcing the mechanical delays. And I think there was like I just there was a lot of swearing involved and and we just started talking. But um, we're commiserating for pain of having to wait to get. Yeah, home. exactly. Exactly. But then and then I you know appreciated, you know, I just had all kinds of Cubs related question. And uh, I'm glad you brought that up. So, you know, this is a Nebraska football podcast. The board of directors has approved, if there's time, the common fan board of directors has approved some Cubs related questions at the end, if uh, if that would be acceptable to you, Taylor. That would be acceptable. Can't wait. All right. Outstanding. Outstanding. So where, where will you find yourself this weekend, Taylor? Like, are you every weekend, are you somewhere different doing a college and or XFL game? Sure I am. So in the fall, college football and in the spring, XFL uh, oh, every, every weekend, somewhere different. We usually don't find out until Sunday where we're going the next Saturday, so this Saturday, I'm headed down to Gainesville to do Arkansas, Florida. I am actually a graduate of the University of Arkansas. So having the chance to come mm. from my alma mater is always special. And then my dad actually coached college football at Florida and got his MBA from there. Um, my oh, cool. time to Gainesville. So it, it's a fun matchup for me, just some personal connections. And uh, it's always fun to, to be in the SEC and looking forward to it. That's so cool. So for any given, like any given game, any, any given Saturday, how much prep, you know, for these, for the broadcast teams, like you're a part of how much goes into that one game? Like how early do you get uh, on site, you know, in town, how many coaches and players do you talk to? Like, can you, can you uh, give our fellow common fans a little insight into what's that, what that's like, because I'm guessing it's hard for you to like watch everything that's going on every weekend in college football. And so there's probably like a, a almost like studying for finals every week when you're, yeah. when you're drilling town and preparing for a game. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. I mean, certainly you have your eyes on the big picture of college football and the big stories that are happening. Um, but at the end of the day, I work on Saturdays, so I don't have the chance to watch every single game that's happening. So usually, you know, I'll do the game Saturday, fly out either Saturday night or Sunday morning and we'll get, uh, if it's Sunday morning, I'll land back in Chicago and I'll get an email from our bosses and they'll tell us where we're going the next Saturday. And then really from that point, the first thing I usually do is I send an email to the respective SIDs, which if you're not familiar with an SID, um, it's a sports information director and they're kind of in charge of being the liaison between the media and the team and set up a call with those guys. And um, they're kind of my first point of, all right, let's go through the storylines. You know, I, I'll kind of go over big picture stuff online, check their record, check what they did last game. And then the SIDs are super helpful in really dissecting the things that are happening within the program. And in those conversations, I will also set up calls with 
players on the team. So I try to usually talk to two guys on offense, two guys on defense from every team. Um, and so when you figure both teams, it's about eight players. And then I get on site and we'll talk to the head coach and both coordinators. Um, but yeah, as far as preparation, I usually on Mondays try to go back and watch the games from Saturday, both teams games, um, kind of flip through those. There, there is a website that we can access through ESPN, which is all 22. So you can kind of see a lot more of, you know, plays they're running styles of offense, defense, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I, I do flip through stuff like that, but for me, I like to listen to what the announcers had to say about the programs, um, to kind of get a gist of storylines and everything. And, and then from there, read as much as you can. You know, I, I also, I'm, I'm big on context. So, you know, I can read, okay, well, Florida has given up 15 sacks. Okay. Well, what is 15 sacks in the relation to the rest of the SEC? Is that, you know, is that good, bad, indifferent? Um, Cause you don't always know that off the top of your head. Um, so I always try to figure out where they rank within the context of the, of the conference and then of, of the FBS. And that gives me a picture of kind of what we're dealing with. And then you form your storylines and you have your calls players and get, you know, questions in. And then I usually travel Thursday night to the site, wake up Friday. We'll meet with coaches Friday. Um, usually the home team it's in the afternoon and then the visiting team it's at the hotel on, on Friday night. Some crews will do zooms. That's one thing that changed after COVID a lot more zooms. My crew this year, we, we still love the in-person meetings. So we've done a lot of in-person meetings on Friday and then usually a production meeting on Friday night or Saturday morning to go over kind of the elements we have for the game, the open, the things we want to talk about. And then boom, it's, it's game time. You do the game and then, uh, you know, rinse and repeat for the next week. That's, That's so I, like, go ahead, Jeff, go ahead, Jeff. I, I was going to say, you just mentioned stories there. Um, and I know a lot of sideline reporters have like quote unquote human interest stories that maybe you have something that would be good for the audience to know about a specific player on any given day. Some of those are feel good stories. Some of them can be kind of sad or even emotional. Are those stories that are provided to you by the university for the school that you're covering on that week? Or is that something that you as a reporter have to come up with that information yourself and kind of do your own due diligence? I would say 95% of the time it's me coming up with the story. Wow. Okay. Sometimes, you know, my producer or somebody from the school will be like, Hey, I got this story. Um, and they'll tell it to you. But for the most part, it's me coming up with that stuff. Every reporter you'll talk to is different. I'm really big on eyes and ears on the sideline. So I do come up with stories throughout the week background, you know, like we had the TCU game a couple weeks ago and Josh Hoover was in his second start. And so in a way we're introducing him to the world. Not a lot of people knew who Josh Hoover was still probably don't know that much because he's relatively new in his college career. So at that point to me, that's when those human interest stories really play because fans want to know who is this guy, you know, right. what's he like? So, um, no, sorry, go ahead, Taylor. Go ahead. Oh, well. And so, but I just think that the big part of what I can do and what I can bring is stuff from the sidelines, because at the end of the day, I'm the only one down there and I'm the only one who right. sees things and hears things. And so I feel like my biggest impact on the broadcast is stuff that I learn on the sidelines and I can tie it into the, to the way the guys are talking in the booth and then hopefully give context to the game and, and help fans at home understand what's going on on the field. 
That's amazing. So like, you know, Billy Bob Lineman started a nonprofit to save the spotted owl or something. The, the SIDs don't try to feed you that stuff. Certainly there are. And, and I will say yeah. every SID is different. Some are really, <laughs> really good and some will, you know, feed you all sorts of stuff. We, I, Mar <laughs> I shout out Mark Cohen at TC. He's one of the best in the business. I mean, that guy, you bring up a guy who started 15 years ago at TCU and he'll be like, well, did you know this, this, and this? I'm like, your knowledge of this program is amazing. And, and there's certainly ones who will spoon feed you all sorts of information, which is helpful. Some aren't as helpful. <laughs> That's the reality of, uh, you know, life. Um, and so it, it just kind of depends week to week. Um, I think at this point in the season, going into week 10, a lot of those human interest stories have been, been told, you know, so yeah. they're, they're not as prevalent because again, I don't want to be telling a story that the fans have heard 15 thousand times again you know like this guy has a non-profit that's great but i've also heard that story 15 times i don't need to hear it again in a november game where you know the, the stakes are higher than they were in september so i kind of try to take all those things into consideration okay okay so was have you done a lot of games in lincoln i've only done one okay yeah. Okay. And then I guess with the new media rights deal, do you not do big 10 no, games anymore? No, oh, bummer. Oh. longer has the rights. I know. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, really glad I got at least one game there. Um, I, like I said, I have a lot of Husker fans who are friends of mine. One of my good friends, little brother works for the football program. And so, uh, and I grew up in Colorado. I grew up on the Nebraska Colorado rivalry. I was a Colorado state fan growing up. So I, I'm Perfect. not going to, yeah, get along here well Taylor, uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if you know this the nebraska Cornhuskers are currently five and three the colorado buffaloes are currently four and four i don't know if you knew that and, and i will say this and i you know colorado fans are going to come at me for saying this but i don't really care i think if the TCU, yes. if the tcu and nebraska games are played right now i think yes different result yeah thank you especially the tcu game because the poor horned frogs they didn't know what they were jumping into right like they are studying mm -hmm. tennessee are they studying jackson state like where what do you study to prepare for that game they had no form of reference and it was still a tight mm -hmm. game but i think now with preparation i think they win that game yeah and that and we brought it up on a previous pod too you're spot on that that was right in the middle of just colorado fever at right. its highest point the coach everybody Prime. was salivating over him coach so, yeah I agree. yeah yep Taylor, yeah. Taylor, I want to know. You mentioned you you were in Lincoln for a for a Saturday night. So I want to know what you did in Lincoln, and what any uh, any Lincoln hot spots that you might have hit up when you're in town. Well, I'm so glad you asked this question. So, um, one of my friends, her friend's dad has a really nice apartment there, like a penthouse up in this. I didn't even know penthouses existed in Lincoln, but they do. Oh, they do. They do. <laughs> and this one was really nice. And so we went up there. There was a handful of people. And then I, last year, my analyst on my crew was Brock Osweiler. And Brock had a bunch of friends with Nebraska connections who were there. They were also in said apartment building and in a different apartment. Our groups ended up combining and we were in some, again, like bougie apartment in Lincoln. I didn't know those existed, but they do. <laughs> and uh, we were having a great time. We were able to watch some later college football games, you know, consume some adult beverages. And then 
everybody starts to get hungry. And I was there with my friend's parents who all are Cornhuskers go to every single game. One of my best friends, her parents now live in Ginger Cove, which is I think about 45 minutes from Lincoln and they go to all the games. And so, you know, they're the OGs. I consider the OGs of Lincoln. They took me to Lee's chicken. Have you ever been? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yes. That's, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. That's a staple. Chicken that is on a so Saturday awesome. night. Don't sleep on that. <laughs> we had a great time. Did they have was the uh was the organ player there playing the organ? They sometimes they have like a like a like an older gal that that'll play some organ tunes there at least. <laughs> I don't remember that. I just remember it was me, my friend Mackenzie, and all the adults, and we were having the time of our life. It was it be was, honest. When Great. you pulled up, when you pulled up to that place, you definitely thought you were in danger, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, I um, I I was I'm all about local flavor. Let's experience stuff that maybe if you're just popping through Lincoln, you don't experience. And so when they took me there, you know, a little bit of a drive from yep. town, yeah. if you will. And uh, it was great. So well, I loved it. I would go back 10 out of 10. Recommend. Awesome. Way to go, awesome. Geoff. There goes there goes our sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> go. Sorry, Lise. Sorry, Lise. I guess what I mean, it does. And he's not, he's got a point though. When you pull into the Lee's parking lot, you're kind of wondering, is this going to be some delicious fried chicken or am I going to get murdered? So, um, <laughs> um, no, but Taylor, how, that's how gotta long, be, how long did you have feet on the ground in Lincoln before you realized this is the greatest college football program <laughs> in history? Well, you know, honestly, was it an hour or two hours? I hate, I hate to break your sweethearts here. I'm such a sucker for the moment. I'll go to different schools and with recency bias, I will be like, this is the greatest place on earth. I mean, I did the Florida, Florida state game last year, Dope Campbell on a Friday night after Thanksgiving, Florida state. I mean, they've had a phenomenal year and really that was kind of the pinnacle of last season. I mean, I was like, this place is the greatest place on earth. And then, you know, I would, I had a phenomenal time in Lincoln and I, I, I would honestly say that was my favorite game day experiences last year. Um, and then, you know, there's, I did the, the, the upset of Texas A&M when they were the number five team, in the country of app state and fans were so mad, but I loved it because that's what makes college football. So great is the passion that comes along with loving a team so much on a Saturday. And I was like, college station might be low-key one of the coolest places in the world because of what exists here in Texas A&M and you know the 12th man as an Arkansas grad I never thought I would say that but now as a member of the media unbiased I really do get sucked into every Saturday and you just fall in love with the pageantry and the pride of each program and they're all different um and, and Lincoln's certainly up there with the sellout crowds and the passion is unmatched by a lot of schools um so i had a great time i had a great time there well taylor you know you mentioned being at doak being at AM, you've been to lincoln you you probably i mean you've been to some of the best college football stadiums in the country and i mean you regularly you know are on the on the hallowed you're on the hallowed ground at wrigley right i'm kind of somebody that's obsessed with stadiums baseball mm-hmm. stadiums football stadiums what, in your opinion, what is the best stadium that you've been to and 
sidebar the most unique stadium because those can be kind of two different things oh gosh that's a good question um i mean i'm not just saying this because i'm with you guys nebraska is special <laughs> nebraska really is special um, because you know yes. you're going to go there and you're going yep. to have a sold out crowd I love as so I'm biased as a reporter. This field setup. Um, there's a lot of really great stadiums that are awful. I was just at Oklahoma State. I really enjoyed my time in Stillwater. I'm a big fan of what Mike Gundy has done there for years at Oklahoma State mm-hmm. and what he's built there. Uh, I hate working there. It's awful. It's so <laughs> oh, tight wow. on the yeah. sideline. Yeah. You can't move. Sure. And so again, that goes into the way I experience a stadium. So. Lincoln is great because there's a ton of, there's a ton of room yeah. Um, yeah. on, on the side, which is, you know, a plus as a reporter, I uh, really loud. So it's harder to hear conversations that makes it more difficult. Um, but you know, that's what, as a fan, that's what you want. And mm-hmm. I did get to shoot the hot dog thing. Oh, <laughs> Der Wiener Schlinger. Nice. Mine went out of the stadium. Out. Oh, nice. Wow. Yes. That's incredible. So, it was a good time. Um, I'm trying to think where else. So yeah, Nebraska really is up there. Um, I'm excited to experience Gainesville. It'll be my first time at the swamp. For so, sure. yeah. you know, I'll stay tuned about that. Um, I love the game day atmosphere at Ole Miss. Huh. I think it's the best tailgate in college football. I've heard that. Yeah. Because it's all mm-hmm. concentrated, you know, with most stadiums, there's, they're kind of around the stadium. And so it's harder to get a feel for how many people are there because at one point in time, what what's like, right. I think, is it the champions champions league champions parking lot right Nebraska, behind? Yeah. Champions club at Nebraska. In Nebraska. Champions yeah. Club. yeah right so that was street, my yeah. friend located. So it's like, okay, you might be looking at that and it's packed full of people, but then you can't see everybody else around the stadium at Ole Miss. You can see everybody there in you know 180 view and so it just feels magnificent um and isn't isn't old miss old miss like really fancy about their tailgates too like white linen tablecloths and stuff like that chandeliers you got yeah. it nice yeah. Cool. yeah heels dresses all the things that's across the south i would say across the sec that is a standard i would say when it's warm most girls wear dresses and old miss is probably a little fancier you're you're getting heels from the girls and all all the things but um yeah almost is a good time so, I, I i unfortunately i never made it to the big house or the the shoe um and probably won't in the foreseeable future with espn not having the rights to the big Ten. so i never got to experience those places um but i've heard those are great too it's overrated <laughs> yeah look you got to lincoln okay okay like, yeah. mm-hmm. like a true born husker exactly yeah. uh i had a question for you actually that you mentioned sidelines and it being so tight at some stadiums and nebraska being a little bit more wide open is there anything crazy that's ever happened to you on the sideline like i'm a big guy that gets on twitter and i see somebody gets smoked with a football on the sideline or a play goes out of bounds and hits somebody has anything like that happened or anything? Or did you jump? Did you, did you bump into Connor Stallions in disguise? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might not have known it was him, you know, right, 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 right. The disguise. Um, I, I have never, let's knock on wood here, been 
been hit by a play as it's sort of ending like Laura Rutledge did a couple years ago at the Swamp. Yeah. Um, my producer always, if I have my back to the field about to do a hit, like he, make sure you're watching, make sure you're watching. He doesn't like to do anything where it's, you know, any sort of risk, inherent risk. Mm-hmm. There. Um, I, I'm just thinking about this. Where were we? Oh gosh, it was this year. Um, might've been Oklahoma. And I wasn't paying attention. And Oklahoma's sidelines are tight too. And towards the end of the bench is where the kickers warm up. And I was standing towards the end of the bench facing the bench and the kicker is facing this way, kicking into the little net at the end. He didn't see me and he totally like backed up into me and stepped on my heel. And I still have a nice little scar on my heel from that was in September. So I guess that's really probably the only thing that that's totally on me. I was in his way, was not paying attention. Um, but that's the only thing I can think of. Good. I'm glad <laughs> they're safe. Good. Yeah. yeah you're, you're putting yourself <laughs> in harm's way to bring the American people the game that they love. So God bless you for it. <laughs> now it's interesting, Taylor, doing, doing both college football and major league baseball. Have you heard that everyone is now referring to Michigan as the Michigan Astros? Were you aware of that? <laughs> no, Maybe. but um, I, it's funny. Let's just dive right into this subject. I'm going <laughs> to, Okay. Here's, here's my take. I've heard so many people when it comes to what Michigan is being accused of doing with Connor Stallions, going to different stadiums, recording teams, trying to steal signs that, well, everybody's doing that. Guess what? I don't care that everybody's doing it. At the end of the day, it is still breaking the rules. This mm-hmm. is the same thing that happened with the signs dealing with the Astros. There was a lot of people around Major League Baseball. Well, everybody's doing it. Well, guess what? Until somebody gets punished tremendously for doing it, it's not going to stop. Right. It's same thing with steroids. You know, well, everybody was doing it. Well, at the end of the day, you're still breaking the rules. So I don't really care if everybody was doing it. You got caught and you're going to have to pay the consequence to set the tone for the rest of the sport to therefore stop this moving forward. Because if you don't, it's never going to stop. And so it's, it's unfortunate um, in, in some ways, because I do, I do understand what people are saying. Well, everybody's doing it, but at the end of the day, they still broke the rules and I don't really care that everybody was doing it. It's a childish it's a childish response. It sounds like something the kid would say when they get in trouble. Well, everybody else is doing it. Don't get That's mad at me. Well, like, guess what? Growing up, Michigan, if, if every other team jumps off a bridge, you're going to do that too. That's something my That's parents what my mom used to say. It's a good parent. Well, yeah. They did it. Well, would you follow them if they jumped off a bridge? Right. Well, <laughs> but, but also, like, is every team, I mean, that that's drip, drip, drip that's coming out, out of about Michigan of going to buying tickets to other teams games recording them we're talking about electronic surveillance here i mean connor stallions might have a, a second career in the cia or something um and then and then this thing today that he may or may not have been in disguise on central michigan sideline for the cmu michigan state game i first of all i agree with you taylor it doesn't matter if everyone's doing it it's against the rules second of all i don't think everyone's doing that stuff yeah. Maybe I mean are we are we on that level? No, I think they're they're about that they're stealing or... people are I think people are stealing signs, but I don't think they're going to those lengths of buying tickets at other stadiums and 
electronic surveillance. Like, I mean, even I think Matt Rule even referenced it as like, well, yeah, we're, we we definitely try to figure out what those signs mean when that they're calling on the field. You know, if they're doing like this on the sideline, we want to we kind of want to try to figure out what that means. But I don't think it's anyone's doing it to this length. And if they are, then, exactly. you know, who knows? But there's no way to know. Right. right? There's no real yeah. way to know. Um, if I had to guess, I would assume there probably are more programs, but I don't know that to be factual. Yeah. So um, the reality is Michigan broke the rules and there should be a punishment for breaking the rule um, because if there's not, then what stops other teams from doing it moving forward? I also just yeah. don't understand that. I thought this with the Astros too. Like, okay. Like you said, Matt, if you're, if you're on the field and it's like, okay, every time someone yells Bronco, they're running the ball to the right or something. That's one thing you share, right. you know, you share that information with your, your teammates or like if a, if a pitcher's tipping his pitches and the guy comes into the dugout, he says, Hey guys, you know, he's doing X, Y, or Z when he throws the curveball. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't understand as competitors, as guys who, uh, you know, put put everything into this, doesn't it then just feel hollow when you win? Like, I don't understand going to this extent to steal signs. Um, like, I don't understand the joy in that or the value. Like, like, I would be, if I was, you know, I thought about this about the Astros too. Like, do you really like look at that World Series ring proudly when you know what you were doing? Like, I, to me, it's like, yeah. Why are you even doing this? You know, um, I don't know. Maybe that's a that's Pollyanna-ish or something. But it just seems like whether Harbaugh, you know, who knows, remains to be seen if Harbaugh knew or knows or doesn't. Um, he seems like the last guy who would want to win that way. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, 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 well, Taylor's got to be careful here on this. On yeah, this kind sure, of stuff. sure, sure. Well, yeah. maybe, maybe we could get Tyler from Spartanburg to, to weigh in on this. And anybody, <laughs> anybody here, here, jump on in. The water <laughs> is not fine with what you're saying to Davo Sweeney. He took serious offense to that, as would I if somebody came at me and said it. And I loved what Davo Sweeney said when the expectation outlasts the appreciation and I see it across sports there's no doubt about it I remember you know different example but I covered a a couple FCS football games throughout the years because throughout the playoffs they're on ESPN North Dakota State has been a power in the FCS for several years and I remember talking to some of their players and it's like they don't feel like the fans appreciate it anymore because they had won so much and so now when you win you don't appreciate it but then when you lose it's like the world is coming down and it's like well what's the point of doing all this if you're not going to enjoy the good parts which the good mm-hmm. part is winning. so uh, I love I you know, I'm a big fan of Dabo Sweeney and the way he goes about his business. And so I loved his response. I was totally for it. And he was so accurate in the things he pointed out. I mean, Clemson this year, they haven't had a good year and he acknowledged that. But at the end of the day, their track record over the last decade has been really, really good. And mm-hmm. uh, if you can't appreciate that, then you're probably you are part of the problem. Right. Well, I think yeah. as as Husker fans, we can we can absolutely 100% relate to fans getting absolutely spoiled for an extended period of time to the point where if you have a 500 record in the season, it's it's grounds for firing all of a sudden. Um yeah, it's yeah, possible we, we Husker run. fans have gone overboard from time to time uh with the expectation <laughs> Maybe take it from us Tyler in Spartanburg. As embrace the guy who's won you two national titles in seven yes. years because yep. you don't right. know what that unknown is sometimes maybe even often not what you think it's going to be 
So stick with the guy who's who's won you. I love that Dabo had some stuff right off the top of his head, whatever it was, 10, 12 consecutive seasons of 10 or more wins or just something totally insane like that. Uh, I can tell you Husker Nation at this point would would be uh, dancing in the streets with the right. situation. Well, I've always looked at him as like he, he came in, he came in, I think that was the same year as Bo Pelini. And or is it, right? it, what the same year, like maybe one year difference, because then we we played him in I think it was the Gator Bowl. Oh, that's um, right. In about Bo's first maybe? bowl game. Oh, wait, and oh, wait. so I mean, yeah. he's still there. He's still plugging away. He's won some national championships and had a really good, a really. I mean, that would be a good career for somebody. Just what he's done at Clemson. So yeah, Clemson, Clemson fans need to, need to relax a little bit. We've we've seen the other side. Take it from Husker me, fans. Stick yeah. with it. Yeah. We're we're celebrating all the W's here on the Common Fan Podcast. These That's days. Right. We're not complaining. We're not complaining about ugly wins. We're not complaining about five and three records or anything like that. Actually, you know, pending the Michigan investigation, we could be six and two. That's that's a side. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. So t- Taylor, I mean, who do you think is it? Georgia and everybody else right now. I mean, I feel like in college football. We've had these. I mean, the Huskers were one of them. Three national titles in four years in the 90s in kind of the early to mid 2000s. Maybe it was USC. Then obviously Alabama went on their unprecedented run. Um, And suddenly now it feels like Georgia has kind of kind of has that number one spot. Do you feel like anybody can 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 stop them this year? Do you feel like that's kind of a well-oiled machine that everybody's going to be working to catch up to now for for the time being? Okay, I was a little bit of a. Georgia doubter two weeks ago um, because they haven't really beaten anybody. They beat Kentucky. They beat South Carolina, South Carolina hung in with them at the half. Um, You know, they had a favorable win over Kentucky. Um, And I wasn't sure how much, you know, how, how good they really were. Now you can't really dethroned back-to-back national championship winners um, without any losses and, you know, still having a really talented roster. But I felt there were other teams across college football, Michigan, Ohio State. I mean, Washington, what they're doing out on the West Coast has been undeniable that I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe this is the year that somebody else comes in and, and takes a hold of college football. And before two weeks ago, there were teams who I thought had more impressive wins who still do have more impressive wins. But again, I mentioned I have Florida this weekend and I watched that Florida Georgia game and whoa, that was the best Georgia's looked all season to me and the games that I've watched and the talent level, the difference in the talent from Georgia to Florida is obvious. They're an incredibly talented team without their best player in Brock Bowers. They made it look like this is no big deal. Um, so right now, yes, they are the kings of college football and they are the team to beat. But I will say they have a big test this weekend in Mizzou. Um, I know Mizzou has to go to Athens, but Missouri is a really talented football team. And I'm excited for that matchup. The week after that, they have Ole Miss. And then, you know, they don't get any breathers. They have to go to Tennessee. And so I am interested and excited to watch the rest of the season for Georgia because there's no doubt these four weeks are the toughest weeks of their schedule. So yes, I truly believe they are still the king of college football, but I think at the end of the, these four weeks, we'll know if that's the case or not. 
Um, uh, they're they're definitely going to have to earn it. And you mentioned the the Florida Georgia game, and you're going to be in Gainesville this weekend. I think that when you see people in Gainesville, you should mention to them the 1996 Fiesta Bowl when Nebraska dismantled them 62 to 24. I think people <laughs> want to hear that from you this weekend. Yeah, I, I'm really I'm sure they want to hear that. I'll definitely bring that up. Just um, keep that in mind. Yeah. yeah. And then they'll, they'll remind me, well, who's the la last school to win a national title? Was it Florida or was it Nebraska? And then, you know, oh. then they really have a, a response. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're on our way back, Taylor. We're on our way back. That's a, that's, that's a running theme of this podcast is yep. we're going to, we're on our way back. Our and, future, and our future is bigger than our past, Taylor. We just keep telling ourselves that our future is bigger than our past. Yep. I mean, any any team would would have struggles like we do when you're not only trying to win football games, but you're battling the college football industrial complex. Exactly. It's just taking yeah. us a little longer to get there. That's yeah. all. You have you have bigger things that need to be taken care of. In the college, the college football industrial complex loves that we've been down and they've kicked us while we're down, but we're going to overcome it. We're going to overcome it. <laughs> I can't uh, wait. Now, Taylor, you were you are an Arkansas grad. Uh, were you there when current um, Big Ten coach Bert Bielema was there. <laughs> um, yeah, I was there for some interesting years in Arkansas football. So I was there with Bobby Petrino my freshman year. Oh wow! Still remember wow. Bobby Petrino? Oh, oh yeah. Motorcycle in the spring of 2012, which was my freshman year of college. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So. Yep. You know, we were winning, 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 uh, had a chance to go to a national championship game my freshman year if we beat LSU the day after Thanksgiving. We ended up losing that game, um, but played in the Sugar Bowl that year, had a phenomenal season. And you think Arkansas football is on the up and up. The crash happens in yep. John L. Smith, who was the coach for a year, interim coach. And then comes our friend Brett Bielema. He was there from 2013 to 2016. 17. Um, so not only was I there as a student when he was hired, I was also there on the day that he was fired when I was working in Little Rock as a reporter. So that was one of the first big moments of my television career was walking out of the stadium. And I don't know if you remember, but he was quote unquote informed that he was fired literally walking off the field. And so I had to go on the, the newscast the top of the show and say, well, we just learned that Brett Bielma was fired and it was breaking news and uh, a lot of fun. And um, but I <laughs> wow. honestly, I've, I, I have a great relationship with Bielema. He's Cubs fan. He grew up in Illinois, obviously oh, cool. at, at Illinois. Um, so I have respect for what he did at Wisconsin. Unfortunately, I never stuck at Arkansas, but uh, you know, he's had, he's had a little bit of success at Illinois. Not, not the season they would have dreamt of in Champaign this year, but you know, well, they, they ran into the big red buzzsaw. I mean, what are you going to do? Yes, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the Huskers, the Huskers went to Champaign fake Memorial stadium. You know, they tried to set the stadium on fire the week before we played and, you know, we went in there and kind of won that game mm -hmm. in dominating fashion, just in case, in case anyone, any of the li common fan listeners have forgotten. And that. then they left with their champagne and toasted on the plane right back to Lincoln. And it was a great. Yeah, wow. Nice. Yes, indeed. exactly. Yes, indeed. Exactly. So that's cool. So did you always, you mentioned right out of basically right out of school, you were doing sports reporting in Little Rock. Is that kind of going into college? Did you know this is what you wanted to do? You always wanted to do sports broadcasting. Uh, um, like 
how, how did how did that how, how did you get to where you are now so i wanted to be in the cia so i was no way. A <laughs> sophomore in college or in high school um yeah i wanted to be in the cia um i was serious enough about it that my parents were able to put me in contact with a guy who was an active an active agent and he came over and talked to me and it was fascinating i wasn't allowed to know his real name but he was yeah it was amazing and i was fascinated by it and i remember him telling me if you choose this profession you probably sacrifice having a family you could but it's really challenging as a female to get married and have children in this profession when you're gone for lengthy amounts of time you can't tell what your family where you are and all these different things and so i remember thinking okay well i think this would be really cool but i also do want a family um one day and so at the time carissa thompson who's now with fox sports carissa was the reporter for the Colorado Rockies and I grew up in Denver and so I would watch the Rockies every night and saw her on TV and thought okay well that job looks pretty fun and that was kind of where my hopes and dreams of being a sports reporter started and then from there you know at the time Erin Andrews was on college game day and so she was really the face of sideline reporters um, at ESPN and in college football Um, at the time Tracy Wolfson as well um and so kind of switched paths and thought, all right, I want to get serious about this. And when I was choosing schools, I decided between Texas and Arkansas, I was actually born in Fayetteville. My dad got his doctorate from Arkansas. So that's what I ended up going there. But I, I thought long and hard about Texas because Texas was launching the Longhorn Network at the time, which would have been great for upcoming and aspiring broadcasters. Um, and so I went into college knowing this is what I wanted to do. And, and that's really where I fell in love with the idea of doing sideline reporting for college football. Uh, I grew up in Colorado. My dad played at Colorado state and I grew up on the CUCSU rivalry, but it's different than the South and it's different than the SCC. And, and when I went down, you know, again, my freshman year, we were number three in the country, really good sold out crowds. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, and from, so you know, did, did all the stuff in college, all the internships, whatever. My first job out of college was actually in Casper, Wyoming at market 196 doing local news. And when I was at Wyoming, Josh Allen was at the university of Wyoming. Oh, so I cool. really fortunate, hmm. got really fortunate to cover him during his time there. Um, Logan Wilson, a phenomenal linebacker for the Bengals was also in Laramie at the time. So they had a good program and some you know really big stars now in the nfl um and then got the job in little rock i was there for under a year and then the rockies job came open moved back to denver to do that job and then the cubs job came open and i got the cubs gig and and i've been doing espn stuff since 2019 which was my second year with colorado so there's my bio and i'm (laughs) that's so cool but um (laughs) yeah that's that that was the journey do you taylor do you have any um aspirations to um do any like studio work like you know you know you're doing really well obviously now doing sideline stuff and on-field reporting with uh college football and the cubs you know do you have thoughts or like ideas of things that you would want to do moving forward you have like have your own show or be the host of a show in studio or anything like that yeah definitely studio is something that i i definitely want to dive more into 
I have gone up to MLB Network a couple times to guest host some MLB Tonight's um, and some of their other shows, and I've really enjoyed it. I also will will host some pre and post games for the Cubs on Marquee from time to time, and I, I love. I'm, I'm and I'm actually I'm hosting a weekly Bear show right now, um, so it's been fun to kind of dive oh, into. Oh, cool. That. Um, but it's fun to have more of a voice. Reporting is really great, and I don't think most people understand how much goes into the job because at the end of the day you hear us for 30 second tidbits but we do so much that impacts the broadcast and you know we have to know just as much as everybody else we just don't have the payoff of our you know we're not talking the whole time so um it's a lot of work it challenges me still which I enjoy but I I look forward to getting more reps and more opportunities to host in studio um because it, I do think it gives more of a voice. And especially for me in baseball, um, I've really enjoyed learning the sport and telling different sides of baseball that not everybody, you know, the, the casual fan might not know. And I want to help the casual fan become a diehard fan. And so, and I think, again, studio allows allows more of a voice to do that. So the answer to your question is yes, I do have uh, dreams and aspirations of hopefully more studio work. I love that. Help yeah. the help the casual fan become a diehard fan. I love that. That's so yeah, cool. Well, so guys, we want to be respectful of your time, Taylor. I would love, since we got approval from the Common Fan Board of Directors, I'd love to ask you a handful of Cubs questions. Uh, Matt or Geoff, do you got <laughs> Maddie? Mattio is giving us the thumbs down. He uh, is Taylor. A, I'm, a, I'm a third generation Cardinals fan, so you know I I do I do love Wrigley. I I do I do believe. Oh God. we don't need to go there but i do i do appreciate and respect the the cubs organization and wrigley field um but when they play the cardinals it's uh i've got a one-track mind i'm i'm all cardinals all red birds baby i appreciate that um and it it's what makes my job so much fun is there is a true hatred between the cubs and the cards and again i like to be a part of things that people are passionate about and people are passionate about that rivalry. And so I, you know, I have so much respect for the fact that you are a Cardinals fan because it's what makes being a Cubs reporter enjoyable to. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm curious, Taylor. um, It's, it's a unique, I feel like uh, situation when you have the, like the team, that the marquee team that does the broadcast game. So Boog and JD and you, and then there's, there's some others who are in there from time to time as well. You guys are all pros. I mean, we watch a ton of Cubs baseball in my house. My boys are nine and six. And I mean, in the summer, they're like, can we turn the Cubs on? Can we turn the Cubs on? We turn, we watch the Cubs all the time. Um, But, and so everyone, you guys are all pros. You're experienced reporters, but I feel like when you are, with a specific team, like you're that team's reporter, you can be a little bit of a fan, right? I mean, right, like, like, like when Boog is calling a game winning home run or something, you know, he can get excited and he can say Cubs win and he can say sing the song and fly the flag and all those things. But is there, is there like a, is there a push and a pull there where you're trying to maintain some level of neutrality as a reporter and yet? You're on the Cubs beat. You travel with the team. You interview these guys all the time. You're following. I mean, they, you know, they were in the playoff race well into September as you know, that painful as that is for me to bring up, like, is there a push and a pull there or what, what's that dynamic like? 
Certainly, no doubt. And I think you look at the history of the Cubs organization and the great Harry Carey, there's no questions about it. He was a Cubs fan. And the way he called games, he called them as a fan. And that's what made people fall in love with him. And so I respect the history there. And I respect the fact that that's in part what the fans want. Um, And so I do believe that we do that. And um, But I also believe in the value of our our journalistic integrity and understanding that it's not always peaches and roses and having having the lens on enough as a journalist where you can understand when things are not going well because you know it's like it's like if I'm your friend and I tell you how great everything is all the time um well when I when I actually mean something's great, you don't really hear me the same way because I am always telling you how everything's great. And it didn't matter if I didn't actually believe it was great. I was still telling you it was great. So you don't believe me as much if I really do believe something's great. And so, and I think that's the same approach we kind of take with the broadcast is it's important to still have a journalistic approach and a credibility so that when we tell you things are good, you actually believe it because we haven't just been telling you things were good, even when things were bad. So um, I I think there's a balance that comes with it, but to say that we're fans is, I I don't know if I love the word fan, but I think there's an element of, we want to cover a team that is good and a team that wins. Um, So yes, there's certainly a balance between the two. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. That may, that's really cool. Um, Will the Cubs re-sign Cody Bellinger? That's the question everybody wants to know. And I can't sit here and tell you I have the answer to that. I believe he's with Scott Boris and I believe Scott Boris is in control of those negotiations. And I believe he's going to want as much money and as many years as possible. And I don't know if the Cubs will be willing to give him what he might be able to get with another team. Um, pay the man, Tom, pay the man, Tom Ricketts, you know, the Ricketts family, they're from Nebraska. We can't confirm this. They're probably common fan listeners. So Tom, <laughs> please. Hey, hey, and this is the part where it, maybe it's the different, the part of me where I can be more of a journalist is I don't believe it's in the best interest of the club to give a guy the 10 million or a 10 year deal worth X amount of million when maybe his value you know, he might play center field for two more years and then you're going to have PCA there who's going to be a better center fielder. So then you have to move him to first. And then, so then his value decreases. And as it, I mean, I don't want to, but you know how it is. Center field, an elite center fielder is more valuable than, yeah. Sure. And so, um, and the future of the Cubs and maybe four to five years, maybe that's their peak window. And if that's the back end of when somebody's good, but then you still have to pay them for five more years. I don't know if it's economic smart. So I don't know the answer, but I'm just saying, I do. I, I really do believe Jed will have a lens on like, they're going to pay people. It's just a matter of having a smart deal. And that's what I just want to send home with Cubs fans. It's like, just because you know, we can't, I don't want to, I don't, I just don't want to push out the narrative that, Oh, Tom's being cheap because they don't re-sign Cody Bellinger. No, I believe that they probably offered him what they really valued him to be worth, but they're not going to overpay him because ultimately in the long term, it's not a smart deal. 
Well, yeah, you rarely yeah. see those eight, nine, 10 year deals like work out. And sometimes they stop working out at like year five or something like that, you know? Yeah, cool. And so when you're, in you know, Anaheim, it never yeah. worked. With Bobby, him I think Bobby Benilla is still getting yeah. paychecks every year yeah. or, or yeah. something. So <laughs> there's certainly examples of it um, all across baseball. And so we'll see. I really enjoyed covering Cody. I would love to have him back in Chicago. Um, but I also, you know, for him, go get the best deal you possibly can. Uh, that's what I would do if I was the player. Yep. So um, we'll see. Awesome. Well, Matt, Jeff, any other questions for Taylor? No, I do okay. actually. Oh, I do have one more. Oh, yeah, I do have one more. She often Lincoln has more. a question. I, I just have to ask. I used to travel to Chicago every other week, so I basically felt like I live there. So I've been to Wrigley. I've experienced the culture. One thing I've noticed being out there is it does seem like I do see a lot of Irish gear. I mean, I went to the Notre Dame Damn it, bookstore Jeff. on Michigan Jeff. Avenue. Beautiful Jeff. place, by the way. Jeff. But I just got to ask you, being in the Chicago area, how much do you love Notre Dame, and why are they so awesome? Jeff. Before no. you before Jeff. you answer that, Taylor. Before you answer that, Taylor. Don't answer that, Taylor. We have a standing rule: we don't discuss the Irish at the table. However, because because we have a Come guest on. here today, I think the board will understand when we allow for an answer here. So Fine. go ahead. Here's my answer. Thank you. Fine. I am not going to answer my affinity or lack thereof for the University of Notre Dame, but I will tell you, <laughs> I am very very good friends with Mike Gullick Jr., who without a doubt is. The biggest Irish fan I've ever come into. I, I hung out with him at a tailgate when I went to the Notre Dame USC game in 2017. Like again, like a penthouse on campus with him, Golic Senior, his wife, their whole family. They're that phenomenal. is awesome. Yeah, they're great people. Yeah, they're phenomenal. And so, for his happiness, I want the Irish to do well because I respect him and admire him greatly. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> Geoff, you've exhausted well done, you, you, you've exhausted your Notre Dame allowance for like three years now. Just yeah, so okay. you know. Sorry, that's enough, right. Jeff. <laughs> well, that's Taylor, enough. thank you so much for joining the Common Fans today. This was so much fun and so cool to get uh some of your backstory and then your insight into so many things that are going on in college football and major league baseball. So we just really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us. Well, thanks for having me on. I mean, happy yeah. Halloween, trick or treat. What's your favorite <laughs> Halloween candy? Do we like some Snickers, candy corn? All of you it. said you know, I'm, I'm a Snickers guy. I'm absolutely Snickers. Yeah, yeah. Snickers are disgusting. I'm gonna I'm gonna die on that hill. Oh. Sorry, that's for now. <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's, right. that's the end of the podcast. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks, Jeff. thanks for coming, Jeff. Where to go, Jeff? <laughs> Taylor, Jeff doesn't like anything, so don't listen to him. Yeah. Except the except except Notre Dame. Or we got into a whole 15 minutes on potlucks and I've never met somebody who doesn't like a potluck. Geoff and Lincoln doesn't like potluck. So we're not going to go there, but he doesn't like potlucks. Add Snickers to the list. Go ahead, Jeff. We had, did you have something else to say, Jeff? No. What else do you, what else do you hate, Jeff? No, it's, the United States you of for, America. If you don't like it, you can leave. <laughs> well, thank you, Taylor, for being on in all seriousness. Yes. This has been fascinating to me. Thanks for tolerating TJ on a flight because we all hate that over-conversational guy that you get stuck sitting next to and the last thing you want to do is chat with somebody when you're probably hungover and just want to sleep or nap it out so thanks for coming on we really do appreciate it we call. really do taylor united for placing me next to tj okay i wouldn't have thought <laughs> the common fans right. for tj exactly so. yep thank you everything happens for a reason guys that's right thank you taylor all right, Common fans, follow us on your streaming platform of choice. Follow us on all the social media outlets. 
Don't forget the Huskers kick off at 11 a.m. Central time. Look for the roll call so you can tweet out a picture of wherever you're watching the game. And as always, GBR for life. Go Big Red. Thank you.